Reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But He did not raise Him. In fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Thank you, Stan, for reading for us there from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we'll be uh, getting there a little bit later. You might want to keep your Bible earmarked there. Uh, appreciate everybody being here this morning. Uh, I know we've had a great time of year, and uh, a lot of people have been with family. A lot of people have shared a lot of memories. So many wonderful things that are going on. Uh, want to mention about the Bain family that we will be feeding that family after the funeral service today. So if you can help with that, I know those ladies would appreciate that. We we come today to the conclusion of what we've been talking about all year. The life of Christ. We've talked about His birth. We've talked about His life, His choosing of disciples, His teaching. And ultimately, we have come to that great climactic picture just two weeks ago of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And I will just be completely honest. These sermons are so hard to preach because there is so much... Uh, not just in terms of content, but there is so much in terms of meaning, in terms of things that have such monumental and eternal significance in the life of every human being. But when we left Jesus Christ, He was dead. Hanging on the cross. His body was beaten. It was bloody was broken. And all of the most terrible descriptions that we can give to describe what happened on that cross, they have been given. And your imagination can run wild with the physical suffering and even more so with the spiritual suffering that took place as Jesus Christ paid the debt that you and I have accused with our sin. He paid for our sin. And now His body just hangs there. And that man who was once so vibrant and so dynamic and so challenging and so in control of every situation that he ever faced now was just a shell. Now it was just a body that was hanging on the cross. And there have been amazing things that had happened as he hung on the cross, but his body was nothing more than a shell. And some of you, some of you have seen things like that. 
Some of you have been there in, in bedrooms and in hospital rooms when, when people that you knew and you loved and you remember their power and their energy and their impact and the greatness of who they were. And now they're just a body. Now it's just a body. And you remember how that feels. That's what the disciples of Jesus were feeling. He came and we stood beside Him. Even some to the very end, we stood beside Him. And now He's dead. What do we do? That state of numbness that you have walked in, so many of you, that they walked in, they did what you have to do. They took His body down from the cross. They went and they buried Him. And when they buried him on that Friday in a borrowed tomb, this fellow named Joseph of Arimathea, who said, I have a place where we can bury him. Anybody got a place we can put this body? I've got a place where we can put this body. And they went and they put Jesus in that tomb. That feeling of numbness as you've walked away from the funeral home, as you've walked away from the graveside. Is that it? What am I supposed to say? That's how I always feel when I leave the funeral home. When I leave the grave. So what am I supposed to do now? Why do, and when we, you know when, when we, try to have, uh, we try to feed the family to give them an opportunity to grieve and to share some of those memories, and there's that uneasiness of, of sometimes we, we share those memories, but, but what are we supposed to do? Well, what are we supposed to say? And there aren't a lot of good answers for that, are there? There aren't a lot of good answers for that. That numbness that so many of you have experienced, that's what His disciples were experiencing. That sense of apprehension. The Bible tells us that when His disciples left on that day and when Jesus actually found them on the Lord's day, do you know where they were? They were in their, in their houses with the door locked because they were fearful. You see, this one that they had left everything to follow... This one that they had left their homes and their parents and their families and that they had given and forsaken the, the many of their material things and they had left everything to follow Him. Now He's dead. And the same people that put Him on the cross, they don't like us either. And there's a very real possibility that we can be next because we stand for the same things that He stood for. That apprehension. Even the enemies of Jesus who had to be thinking, what have we done? Oh, they were glad that it had happened. But they, but they had seen. They'd seen the sky get dark. They'd seen the earth tremble. They'd, they'd, they'd seen the, the, the veil into the Holy of Holies that was torn in two. What did they have to be thinking? And they go to Pilate and they say, we, we've got to secure the tomb. And they, and they say, we, we, need a, we need to roll a stone and to seal it and to put a guard there. Lest His disciples come and they try to steal the body. Paul says, go do it. You go and you do whatever you have to to make that tomb secure. Because I'm tired of messing with this. That's who Pilate was. That's Friday. I think fair to say the darkest day that the world has ever known. When the Son of God is dead. Saturday is the Sabbath day. Have you ever felt that way in your life? you ever have those moments in your life where, 
where it just hasn't worked out the way you thought it was going to work out? Where these things have happened, things have been said, things have been done, and, and now I, I don't know, have I, have I wasted a lifetime? Have I wasted a year of my life? Have I wasted a decade of my life? What's going to happen next? Are these people going to come for me? I'm nervous. I'm apprehensive. I'm unsure about what's happening. I'm scared. I want someone to give me some direction. I want someone to help me. And I have all these promises, but I don't really know what to do with them because the way that I thought they were going to be fulfilled obviously isn't going to be fulfilled. So what are we doing? Do you have those moments in your life? Because that's where the disciples were on that Friday evening. That's where the disciples were on that, on that Sabbath day, on that Saturday, as, as, they, as they met together and they prayed and they read from God's Word and they must have talked about these things and they must have speculated about these things. But it was to be a day of rest. And they're here. And Jesus is not. Jesus is in the graveyard. He's in the graveyard. Some of you know what that feels like. To look around and say, the one who has always been here, He's not here anymore. And to be quite honest, I don't know how to respond to that. I don't know what to do with myself. And so on Sunday, friends, today is the Lord's day. We come together on this day significantly because of what happened on this day. We remember the Lord's Supper, that memorial feast on the Lord's Day because of what has happened on this day, on the first day of the week. We come together and we remember the death of Jesus Christ and the burial of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But there's something that gives meaning to all of that that happened on this day. Why did you get out of bed this morning? Why didn't you just lay there? Why didn't you sleep for another couple hours? Why didn't you just watch the pregame show? Why didn't you go and do this and do that? Because this day is not like any other day. This is not my day. This is not your day. Today is the Lord's day. Because there was something that happened on this day that has never happened and will never happen again until the Lord comes. The Son of God. Brethren, the Son of God who was dead and buried and everybody went home. The Son of God was risen from the grave. And that changes everything. It does not just change everything in the life of Jesus. It changes everything in my life and in your life and in the battles that you will fight for all of your life. See, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us in, in Luke chapter 24, and on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices that they had prepared. We have to go and we have to take care of the body. I remember going with my grandmother about a year ago to the funeral. Not to the funeral, to the graveside. Why did we go to the graveside? Because she wanted to make sure it was set. She wanted to make sure that stone was just right and she wanted to make sure there were flowers there. And I remember it was cold and it was rainy, but that's what we were, where we were going. And many of you have made the same trip that these ladies made on this early Sunday morning. 
And when they got there, the Bible says in verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Can you picture that? Can you picture if you went to the cemetery and you, went, and you went to the grave of your mother, of your father, of your child, of your grandparent, and you got there and you went to the place where they were supposed to be and there was a hole in the ground. Somebody dug them up. Can you imagine what you'd feel about that? Can you imagine? You'd be calling somebody trying, well, what is going on here? And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, that behold, there were two men who suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. And as, and as the women were terrified, and they bowed their faces to the ground, angels of the Lord are there. The men said to, him, said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? Friends, if you understand something this morning, understand this, Jesus Christ is not dead. He is not in the grave. He is not in the tomb. Yes, He died, but He has arisen from the dead. That changes everything. He is not here, but He has risen. Don't you remember? Remember how He spoke to you while He was still in Galilee? This wasn't a surprise. Not to Jesus saying that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hand of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. That's why His opponents wanted the guard there because Jesus had talked about these things. But they didn't understand. They, they, they couldn't comprehend. Why couldn't they comprehend? Why couldn't they comprehend the idea that He was, he was going to rise on the third day? Because people don't do that. People don't rise from the grave. Do they? Joe, you ever had somebody come back to life? Not yet. Okay? No, never. Not yet. He's an optimistic guy. Alright? It just doesn't happen. And you've went and you've grieved and you would give anything if people could come back and they won't come back. It's finished. It's over. Except for Jesus. Jesus came back from the dead and they remembered His words. Those moments when you remember, you remember someone, something said and something has happened and all of a sudden give life to those words. All of a sudden they make sense. All of a sudden it clicks. Is this really what He was talking about? Is this really the, the significance? And they returned from the tomb and they reported all these things, all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And now there were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and also the other women who were with, who were with them, telling them these things to the apostles. And these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. This doesn't make any sense. That's nonsense. What if somebody calls you up? Do you know what happened? Do you know what happened today? You know that person that I love so much? You know... You know, we buried my husband. You know, we buried my wife. You know, we buried a child just a few days ago. Do you know what happened? Today, that person showed up on my doorstep. What would you think? They're crazy. Right? I mean, the stress has gotten to them. This, this is to, those type of things just don't happen. And not even, not even the men who would be the pillars of the church, the apostles, 
Not even the ones who one day will have a special place in the judgment of all of mankind. Not even they believed. We struggle and we give Thomas down the road, but Thomas was not alone. That's a bunch of nonsense you're talking. But Peter arose and he ran to the tomb, stopping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings. And he went away. He went away to his home, marveling at that which had happened. What had happened, friends, was this. Jesus Christ was alive. Jesus Christ had arisen from the grave. And that has changed everything. I want us to understand that that changes everything in our life. That we serve a living Savior. And we do not serve one who is still in the grave. One who is beaten by life. He has risen. And over the next 40 days of His life, Jesus will appear to so many people. You can read about those in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where it talks about His time with the disciples, about His time with Mary Magdalene, with Mary His mother. The Bible will tell us about, about how He appeared, but He hid His appearance from, from His disciples on the road to Emmaus. The Bible will tell us about how He appeared to great crowds, as many as 500 people together. Can you imagine this morning if Jesus Christ were to walk in the door? I think we'd remember it for the rest of our lives. Those next 40 days of glory would be an amazing time in the life of Jesus because that man that everybody saw, everybody saw Him beaten, everybody saw Him bloody, everybody saw the nails... Everybody saw them put a dead body in the tomb. That man was standing before them. And that changes everything. All throughout His life, Jesus has shown His power. He has demonstrated that He is not just a man like you. He is not just a man like me. He has shown His power over material things. He has turned water into wine. He has turned a few fish and loaves into meals for thousands of people. He has shown His power over the elements and over, over, over wind as he's, as he's rebuked the storm. He's shown His power over sickness, over disease, time and time again. He's shown His power over the devil himself as He has expelled His demons that have possessed mankind. Everything that He has done. But here is the great equalizer you have known some great men, and I, maybe not, not as great as Jesus, but you have known some great men in your time. You've known some people who could do some amazing things, who were incredibly intelligent, who were incredibly talented, who were incredibly powerful. Do you know what the end of every one of those men is? It's death. The mortality rate is 100%. They all die. They all will die. We all die. There is no getting around it. Men have been trying to cheat death as long as men have been around. And you don't cheat death. But Jesus has overcome death. Jesus has overcome even death itself. And so, friends, we can go to the funeral home. We can go and we can say goodbye to our loved ones and we can grieve and we can weep and we can grieve as, friends, not as those who have no hope, 
We can go and we can read passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where Peter spe- or Paul speaks of the resurrection and he says, Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? It ain't here. You have no power here. What do you mean there's a dead body in front of you? Friends, this is not the end for the child of God. This is not the end. And friends... Has He shown His power over the material, over the spiritual, over the elemental, over sickness, over disease, over time, over space, over weather, and even over death itself. Understand, there is nothing. There is nothing that is too big for our God's power. There is nothing that there is no pit that is too deep for His strength. There is nothing that cannot be overcome. When we're in those times of despair, when we're in those struggles and that apprehension and that fearful state, there is nothing that is too great for the power of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that is too great for the One who has the power over life and death itself. And that message, friends, is found all throughout the Bible. It's interesting to me that we have so few details about the resurrection. How did it happen? What did it look like? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that. You look at the Gospel accounts, the Gospel just states it as a fact. But all throughout the rest of Scripture, we see this as a rallying cry. We see this as this point of inspiration. As the Bible speaks about the power, not just the power of God, we all believe in the power of God. We all believe that God has some power and some ability, but it speaks of the power of the resurrection. And Paul wrote in Romans, in Romans chapter 1, he wrote, he wrote about the fact that he was the bondservant of Jesus Christ and that his mission was to deliver the gospel to all the world, that gospel that had been promised and foretold by the prophets. That gospel that was based upon Jesus. That gospel that He says was concerning His Son. His Son who was born a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God. How do we know that Jesus was the Son of God? Friends, the latest and the greatest and the most powerful evidence and proclamation that Jesus really was divine, really is the Son of God, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. According to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. You want proof that I am who I say I am? You want proof that Jesus really is the Messiah? That He really is the Christ? Not even the grave can hold me. Not even the grave, not even death can overcome me. That's power. That's power. That's power that lived within the life of every child of God. Paul would go on to write about the struggles of life, about the struggles of overcoming his fleshly self. How many of us have ever felt in the grasp of sin? How many of us have ever felt like life and sin was choking us to death and there was nothing we can do about it? Paul wrote about his life and he said, Oh, wretched man that I am. This is the struggle. Where's the hope? Where's the hope? Friends, he says the hope is found in Christ Jesus. 
But it's found in Christ Jesus because in Jesus there is power. There is resurrection power. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, Paul reasons, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, how can you overcome? How can you beat this thing? How can you be changed? How can you be transformed? How can He take this mess that I call a life and turn it into a great blessing for mankind? He can do it. it means if the, if the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. As I want us, as we reflect upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ this morning, I want us to understand that there is no power greater. There is no power greater than the power of the resurrection. Resurrection power. The power to overcome whatever it is that, you have, that you're being defeated by. The power to overcome whatever it is that you may face in life. The power that gives you hope when the doctor says you have no hope. The power that gives you peace whenever the world is kind and is unkind and cruel and could care less about you and mistreat you. It's resurrection power. The power, the power that gives you that gives you hope when situations are impossible. The power that stands and inspires you when sin has a stranglehold on your life. It's the power of the resurrection. Friends, if there's power to raise a man from the dead, there is power to overcome anything. And that theme is found throughout the pages of the New Testament. Paul many times references them. Stan read for us this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is, is what they call the resurrection chapter of the Bible. Last week we said Genesis 12 was an important chapter. Well, 1 Corinthians 15 is also one that ought to be stuck in our minds because there were some people that day that they couldn't quite, they still couldn't wrap their minds around the foolishness, this idea that, that the Son of God was crucified or the Son of God would die. They couldn't wrap their minds around, around the spiritual or around the supernatural. And so for some reason they decided they would deny the resurrection. And Paul said, are you crazy? Do you not understand that everything that we are, that everything that it means to be a follower of Christ finds its foundation in the resurrection? In the fact that there was a man who lived and who died and who was raised from the dead? I'm not asking you to follow a great man. I'm, I'm asking you to follow God in the flesh. If there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. And our faith is, vain, is also in vain. What are we doing here this morning? You've already given me 20, 25 minutes of your time. Why would you do that if Christ wasn't raised from the dead? Would you have showed up this morning to hear a great lecture about a great man who's dead in the grave somewhere? I doubt it. Would you do that every Lord's Day for the rest of your life? I know you wouldn't do that. I preach this useless faith. It'd be useless. Why would you change your life? Why would you trust if death, if death conquered Him? 
We, the truth is, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we witness against God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. See, the truth is, it's all a big lie. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, it is all a lie. Jesus is a lie. This preaching is a lie. Your faith is a lie. But friends, it's not a lie. It's not a lie. It's the truth. It's the truth that will change your, your life and your eternity. If the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, they have perished. If there is no resurrection of the dead, friends, there is no, there is no redemption of your sin. If there is no resurrection of the dead, do you understand that the ones that you have hope of one day seeing again, they are no more. There is no resurrection. They're just dead. If we have hoped in Christ, in this life only, friends, if our faith is all and only about this life, if that's what it is, if we never go beyond the, our existence here, then we are of all men most to be pitied. Everything stands or falls based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ on that first Lord's Day. We understand because of that resurrection that the sacrifice was accepted. Do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder, have my sins really been forgiven? Do you ever wonder about the cross and why was it so significant? And, and what, about, what about His suffering on the cross? And why did He have to do that? And when we see a risen Savior, we see that the sacrifice was accepted. We understand because there is life after death. There is more to it than this life. I remember, I remember at, a, at a funeral for a man by the name of uh, Mr. Markham. And he was a pillar in the church and a great and a godly man. And he, he was very old and he came to the end of his days. And I remember, I remember he met death with no fear. But I remember what he said to his sons. He said to them, I'm going to a place that's been prepared for me. You make sure you get there too. I don't think anything could change your life like those words. Do you understand that one day, one day we will go to be with those who have gone on before us? Has David grieved the loss of a little baby child? And he said, listen, he cannot come to me, but I can go to him. He lives. Your loved ones, your husbands, your wives, your grandparents, your children, they may have left this world, but friends, this world is just the beginning. The understanding that Christ is with us, the understanding that we have an advocate that we can go to, as John would say in 1 John chapter 1 and 2, that when we're struggling and when we're hurting and when we sin, that we have an advocate that will go before the Father with us and for us to understand that there is necessary power to live as God desires. When I say, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can overcome. I don't know that if I can see my way through this peril of my life. 
Friends, there is resurrection power. There is power that can bring a man back from the dead. If that's the truth, then there is power that can deal with whatever you're dealing with. That is not to belittle the struggles of life, but that is to proclaim the power of God. It is a reminder in the resurrection that we will have new bodies. I can't tell you how comforting that is. When you go to the hospital and you see great men and great women who are shells of who they used to be. When you see men that used to could have whipped bears with their bare hands and now they can't even get to the bathroom by themselves. When you see people who can't breathe, people who have lost limbs. I have so many questions about what that resurrected body looks like. But for the moment knowing that there is a resurrected body, knowing that there is a rest for those who struggle every day in this life, it makes all the difference in the world. That Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. But I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know what you're struggling with. But I want you to know Sunday is coming. We've covered so much ground over the last few weeks and a few months. And we come today to the place of victory. It's Friday, friends. Jesus is there in the garden and He's praying. Peter, he's over there sleeping. Judas is out betraying him. But Sunday was coming. It's Friday, friends. And Pilate is struggling with the decision about what to do with Jesus. The Sanhedrin is scheming a scheme to get rid of this, of this man of Nazareth. The people are lying and vilifying the, the character of Christ and they don't even know. They don't even know that Sunday is coming. It's Friday. The disciples are like a sheep. They're like sheep without a shepherd running to and fro. The mother of Jesus is there. Mary is crying. Peter, Peter is denying with curse words that he even knows who Jesus is. But I want you to know that Sunday is coming. And it's Friday. It's Friday and the Romans have beat my Jesus to within an inch of His life. They put a scarlet robe on Him to mock His claim to be the King. They put a crown of thorns on His head and they don't even know. They don't know what's coming. They don't know that Sunday is coming. It's Friday, friends. And we've seen the picture of our Jesus walking and carrying His cross to Calvary. His blood is dripping and His body is stumbling and His spirit is burdened. But do you understand what day it is? Do you understand that it's only Friday? Do you know that Sunday is coming? It's Friday, friends. And I want you to know, it sure looks like the world is winning. The people are sinning against God and evil... Evil is grinning. 
It's Friday. And they've nailed, they've nailed my Savior's hands and His feet to the cross. They've raised Him up in between criminals to treat Him like a criminal. It's the worst day that the world has ever known. It's Friday. Let me tell you this morning, church, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, friends, family, that Sunday is coming. Is it still Friday? And the disciples, they're questioning. They're questioning what's going on. They're questioning what has happened to their king. The Pharisees are over there and they're celebrating that all their scheming, they've gotten rid of this troublemaker. But they don't know. They don't know that it's only Friday and that Sunday is coming. It's Friday and He's hanging on a cross. And our Lord and our Savior is feeling forsaken by all of the world, feeling forsaken by His Father to be, to be left alone and to die on the cross. Can no one save Him? Friends, it is Friday. But Sunday is coming. It's Friday, and the earth trembles, and the sky grows black, and the veil of the temple is torn in two, and my King gives up His Spirit. Friends, it's Friday, and all hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered. And Satan is laughing. Friday, and Jesus is buried, and a soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled in front of that tomb. But it's only Friday. Sunday is coming. And I say it over and over again because you in your life, if you are not today, will find yourself in the pit of despair. You will find yourself in the moment when you believe this is the worst day of my life. And it's in those moments that I want you to know that Sunday is coming. That there is power that is greater than anything that you face, than anything that you feel, than anything that you've experienced. It is the power of God. It is the power that proclaimed Jesus to be the Son of God. It is resurrection power. And that changes everything. Which it may be Friday in your life. But I want you to know, I want you to know that Sunday is coming. Come and follow in the steps of a, of a crucified, but of a risen Savior. Come and follow in His steps to be baptized, to repent, to be born anew. Because Sunday, Sunday's coming. Won't you come as we stand and sing?